What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Eagles Monday Recap. I'm Alex Miller from the Eagle, joined always by Travis Brown. We're inside Kyle Field following Jimbo Fisher and a couple Aggie players. Press conference, of course. Travis, uh, the big news, which is probably good news for A&M fans, it sounds like Max Johnson is expected to go this week against Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, Max Johnson's taken a beating this year. A&M quarterbacks have taken a beating the last two years. Last year they led the nation uh, in hits with 44. According to Pro Football Focus, they're already at, uh, I believe it was 33 this year, according to Pro Football Focus. Max Johnson took four, and by that last series – he, he didn't look right. He was hobbling around and, and, and was kind of, you know, it looked like he was really disappointed on the bitch, which I'm sure he was, but he also looked like he was just trying to breathe, trying to, you know, function a little bit. So a lot of questions on if he is hurt, if he'd be available um, this weekend. Jimbo Fisher said that, uh, he, he said it's day-to-day, he said we'll see how it's going to go, kind of those um, vague, vague, vagueness but did say he expects him to play this weekend. So um, we'll, we'll have to see as the week progresses. You know, Connor Wigman, when he got hurt earlier this season, it was initially not as bad as they thought it was until it was as bad as they thought it was, and then he was out for the year. So I still don't know if there's a lot of clarity here, but from what Jimbo Fisher says, he's expecting him to play against Mississippi State. If Max somehow is not available to go, of course. It looks like Jalen Henderson, the transfer from Fresno State, will get his first action. You know, actually, I think he played a little bit in one of the games, but, like, very little. And then, of course, they do have Marcel Reed, the freshman from Tennessee, who he has not played this season. But, you know, at this point of the year, there's three games left in the regular season. If you get bulgeable, that's four. You wouldn't have to burn his red shirt if you did want to play him, of course. Sure. Uh, Jalen Henderson is an interesting one. I asked Jimbo Fisher a little bit about how do you recruit a guy? He only had five games played at Fresno State. He was a backup there. How, how do you recruit a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of college film like that through the transfer portal? And he said it's a lot of connections. It's guys that know guys that can get you tape of him in high school, working out with a private instructor, things like that. They, they have a lot of confidence in, in, in the guy um, for, for how little he he's played in college. He did have a, a little bit of action at the end of the, I believe it was the ULM game um, earlier this year and, and got to see the field, Kyle Field, and, and get out there. He, he looked pretty good from what we were able to see in fall camp, at least just with arm strength and uh, the ability to make some throws. So that would probably be the option. The, the, the thought of would you maybe run Anias as a wildcat or something like that was pitched out there to Jimbo. He said no. It, it would be uh, uh, Jalen and, and Marcel would be in that mix as the, the, the three and the four in that situation. You know, good news, too, uh, for A&M, Le'Veon Moss, it sounds like he didn't tear anything when he went down with an apparent leg injury. Looked like it might have been concentrated near that knee. No tear, not going to need surgery. It, it sounds like we'll see where Le'Veon's at, uh, but uh, – you know, it doesn't sound like it's season-ending necessarily. Yeah, you'll always have to see. Uh, you never know how much gamesmanship is going on with these things at the press conferences. But they said it wasn't a tear. It was just swollen up and, and, and banged up. And, and so, um, you know, but we've heard that Reuben Fathery has just kind of been banged up and he hasn't played the entire season. Or, or Tony Grimes, two more people that were kind of brought up today to Jimbo Fisher. And he said Tony Grimes isn't going to play for the rest of the year. And those guys just haven't recovered from injuries. And so um, I, I do think Le'Veon, with no tear, it would seem um, 
probable that he would return uh, back this season, but something, again, we'll have to see as it goes game to game. Um, the other interesting thing, though, that I think was the interesting thing about all this, we started, I started this by talking about how many hits A&M's quarterbacks has ta have taken the last two years. Uh, and so some questions asked about the amount of quarterbacks that A&M has lost due to injury over the last two years. You had Haynes King with the broken leg two years ago, then Haynes King with the turf toe, Max Johnson with the broken hand, Connor Wegman with the broken foot this year. Um, maybe Max Johnson is dealing something with something now. There's kind of two sides to this that I think is interesting. First, the fact that the question was asked if the protections, if the offensive line needs to be adjusted because of the amount of contact A&M's quarterbacks are taking and, and, and result there of that being injuries. And he said, well, the result of that isn't necessarily injuries because he named, you know, the turf toe was uh, just getting his foot in the ground the wrong way, Haynes King and twisting it. Uh, the, the broken leg was when he was rolling out on a quarterback run and a, a guy hit him funny out in open field. Uh, you had um, – Thumb. The thumb. Max Johnson was out outside of the pocket and made a throw, if I'm not mistaken, and hit his thumb on a helmet, which is, as he kind of said, a freak accident. So there is that side of it that, yeah, most of the time that these quarterbacks have gotten hurt over the last few years, it's been outside of the pocket, outside of the protection of the offensive line. But there is also that fact that they are the most hit quarterbacks in the country, uh, when you look at pass blocking efficiency and so over the last two years. And so Jimbo Fisher said they're not planning on doing anything different with the pass blocking, with the offensive line changing anything up because of the fact that the, these injuries have happened outside the pocket. Connor Wigman's did. Connor Wigman's was a blown blocking assignment that a guy ran free and hit him in the ankle. That was actually one where – this that questioning could come into play, but he said they're not going to do anything different. It's a little interesting because the, it, something isn't going right with how many hits the quarterbacks are taking. Um, so yeah, that's that'll be interesting to watch as the season continues. As the great Jerry Fraley would say, "What a beating!" But <laughs> it's it's been a beating for A&M's quarterbacks this season. There's no doubt about it. And you know, I, I got to give kudos to Max Johnson though because. As much as he's gotten beat up, he just goes back out there and plays whether he gets the job done or not. And, you know, for the most part, they did pretty well in that second half against Ole Miss. Uh, we, of course, didn't get to talk after the game because I wasn't there. But, you know, what what stood out to you about the A&M offense and having a couple days to digest it? Because that was by far their best second half performance of the season. It was by far the best offensive line performance that they've had in that second half of, of any half this season. And I, I, I've said from the beginning of the season, this team is going to go as the offensive line goes. If the offensive line is bad, the, the, the game results are going to be bad. It was as good of an offensive line performance that they've had. They've been, they were able to run the ball between the tackles really well, which is something that they haven't been able to do. And they were able to do it really without Le'Veon Moss in that second half, who is their strongest running back. They did it with their, their more speed more finesse running backs, and they were able to run right through the tackles pretty well, um, which is interesting. So I think the offensive line play is what, is what really made it. And then they were able to get a couple other guys involved in Jade Walker um, and uh, Noah Thomas a little bit to, to help 
compensate for the load that Anaya Smith has had to carry over the last few games and, and give uh, the defense some different looks to not have to just stick right on Anaya Smith the whole time. I, I do think that for as many times as Max Johnson has thrown off his back foot and had you know, kind of looked like he was shying away from the pressure and not delivering a good throw. There's been a lot of throws this year where he stepped up in the pocket, stood tall on his, his front foot, and delivered a pass as he just took a shot. Um, and so for, for every bad off-the-back foot pass, there's been a really good stand, staying in there and taking the hit pass. So I don't think you can necessarily uh, critique him for that, especially with the beating, beating he's taken. There was a couple of those that Ole Miss, too. There's a couple that he threw off his back foot, but there was a couple that he stood in there and took a shot and delivered a really good pass. So I think all of those things came together um, for a really good offensive second half for A&M. And, you know, they, they had to – it was – there was only one way to go from the first half, and that was up because that first half might have been about one of the worst – halves of football A&M has played. It was really So bad. there was only one way to go up. They just took it way up in the second half. Yeah, you can't, you can't call Max Johnson a weenie or any other synonym of that sort. But, you know, I thought it was interesting. We heard from Albert Regis and we heard from Ernest Crownover. Those are the two players that talked today. A couple of uh, big-picture questions posed to Albert in particular that kind of stood out. You know, the first was, you know, do they still have faith in, in Jimbo Fisher and what he's doing? And there's a lot of angst, disgruntledness, disappointment, frustration, I think. Disgruntledness. Among, that's probably not a word. But, hey, Shakespeare made up like <laughs> 25,000 words, so why can't I make up one? Okay? So the you're getting, you're, You have a lot of disgruntledness right now. The, the point is that A&M, A&M's fan base is – they're – they're kind of disgruntledness. They, yeah, yeah. The blood is starting to boil, <laughs> and you know, they asked, you know, what is what do you guys as players think? And I thought it was I thought it was an interesting question of just like, or an interesting answer of you know, they still have faith in him, of course. Um, you know, I probably shouldn't have expected anything less, but um, it's it's a, it's I think it's a fair question at this point to ask you know what what is the faith level because you know Anum's right there and they they just they they can't find that moment or that inch right to to get over whatever hump is in the way of what they want to achieve yeah um, there there's there's a telling sign that A and M has four losses this season there's also a telling sign that all four of those losses have been within a, a, a score. Um, they've been really close. And so that, that, that is the balance of this. The balance is, yeah, they've lost more games than most people would have liked and that they probably should have, but they were in all of those games. And it's the balance of how, how do you weigh both of those things. I mean, as a player, you, 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 gotta, you can't even think about that. As us and, and as uh, other people who cover the team and then as fans look at it, um, you, you do have to look at it as that balance. And I, I think that while they continue to lose games, there is that sign that they're doing enough to stay in it and probably should win it. Next year, you think with this 2022 recruiting class that was the best ever in the world ever, uh, that one more year of experience, uh, one more year with Connor Wegman healthy might be worth that three or seven extra points 
to win some of those ball games. So, yes, I agree. There is there is a fine line between winning and losing, and there's a fine line between um, being in an absolute tailspin and being right there. And and A and M is is closer to being the right there, but they're they're walking the line of of how much emotional energy those outside of the bright building can can put into it <laughs> yeah last season was a tailspin there, i don't think there's any sure. question about that they're not at that point mm-hmm. this year even if they do end up finishing seven and five right um and hey you know they finished seven and five in 2019 and turn around and go to the orange bowl the next year i'm not saying that's necessarily going to happen but they have been able to make and if i recall correctly that 2019 season, they were right there in a couple of those games. I know LSU beat the brakes off of them, but think about the the game against Georgia and uh, a couple of those others. I mean, they 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 were they were in a similar light in some of those circumstances right then and there. But I, I think that the ultimate key to the rest of this season is it's going to be attrition. How how healthy that can they stay? Because you you can't separate Saturday's loss from the fact that they were missing both of their starting quarterbacks and starting two guys who almost basically hadn't played before. Um, that was a huge loss to that defense. That has been you know, the saving grace of this team throughout most of the season, and, and it showed that it was not a strong defensive performance um, from A&M in that game. So y- you need to have Max Johnson healthy, uh, well enough to go. You need to have the running backs healthy. You need to have uh, Evan Stewart back. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit of a battle of attrition to see um, where where this is going to finish. Well, that, that was the uh, that a roundabout way to get there. That was the other question I thought was interesting that was posed to Albert Regis of like, hey, what do you guys have to play for? Like, you have four losses. You're not going to compete for a championship. Like, you know, you're probably going to go to a lower tier bowl game if you if you get bowl eligible. And he, he said, you know, last year they they were on a high after they beat LSU, but then, you know, you go home on Monday and your season's done. And then three weeks later, you see all these other guys playing in bowl games across the country. I mean, that's three more weeks to, to be with your buddies, maybe go on a trip somewhere and uh, just kind of soak it all in, even, even if it's not a New Year's Six or a playoff game. What they should be battling for is a few more wins so they don't go to the Texas Bowl. <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> that – that the SEC picks these games and it's always going to be an appealing one from a ticket sales standpoint to send A&M just down the road where there's a high concentration of, of A&M uh, fans and it's against the Big 12, you know, the former conference. I, I get that. But for these players, getting to go somewhere and have that bowl trip is always a reward. It's always been talked about as a reward for a good season or a, a for the effort that they put into the season. And you got to think that those guys don't want to go just down the street to Houston. They want to go to Florida or, I mean, I think Vegas is in the running this year. I, yeah. Okay. I think they're they, by, they're so, so. Hey, Nashville or Charlotte, Nashville and Na- Charlotte are cool. Sure. I mean, go to one of those places where you get to do something fun and not do like the, you know, whatever there is that they normally do down in Houston because most of the team is from down there. So I think that selfishly, I think that's what we are, you know, um, watching and hoping that we don't just have to drive down to Houston. We get to go have a nice trip. But, uh, yeah, I think that's something, you know, getting that bold trip, even well before the NIL era, has always been like this is the reward. This is 
what you get to go do for your for your hard work in the season. I think there still is some of that, and that's what they'll be fighting for. Get a cool fossil watch <laughs> there with you the go. bull emblem or whatever. <laughs> hey, if all else fails, ain't in basketball season starts tonight, Travis. It, what's what's one thing you're looking for from the Aggies tonight? I'm just looking at the the rotation. Um, what the that's always what you look at early. Who's going to get the minutes? Um, who's who's some of the guys that are new that are going to stand out and be an integral part of all of this? Um, who are some of the freshmen that uh, might get to see some time? And and then from a statistical standpoint, looking at the box score from the super secret scrimmage and from the exhibition game, if they can limit turnovers. They've had a lot of turnovers in those two games. They can limit the turnovers. Uh, I think they'll be in good shape. All right. Well, hey, that's going to do it for us today on the Monday Recap. Be sure to check theeagle.com for all of our coverage on a football and other things. So uh, we'll be back next week. Well, I guess we'll be back uh, Saturday when we're here. And uh, we won't have to wake up at the crack of dawn. Thank you, SEC, for giving A&M a night game. So that's all for us today. We'll see you next time.